ABCC episode 83, my realization of the day. The Covenant is a film I watched a lot as a teen, you know, because I wanted superpowers and it was cool. But when I rewatched it a few years ago, I realized I was watching for completely different reasons, as I was pretty disappointed there weren't as many swim scenes as I remembered before. Let's talk about them hard V-cuts. It's time to take a hit and pass that spooky shit. Hello, hello, welcome to the Blay Blunt Cinema Club, a podcast very high on horror films. I am your host, Devon Taylor, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Garrett McDowell. I wasn't sure what was happening there. I was like, <laughs> is your head about to pop like scanner style? Uh, but what the listener was not pervy to, which I was, is after that, uh, you took a little sip of your LaCroix because <laughs> that, that intro parched you. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, definitely needed it. Um, I mean, it, one of my favorite acting choices, one of many by Mr. Sebastian Stan. And uh, the movie we're going to be talking about today, The Covenant, uh, kicking off Pride Month. Uh <laughs> <laughs> happy pride everybody happy pride everybody and it, and um so this was like a last minute switch up because i i had said i was gonna choose braid i'd been thinking mm-hmm. about this movie for the past couple of months and i was like i'm gonna do it for pride month it's an artsy film it has some rich you know queer themes and subtext and great filmmaking and all those you know things that you look for in a in a movie <laughs> And then are we talking about the same movie for a second? But then, but then I go, (laughs) but then I was like, you know what? I was like, I've been wanting to talk about the covenant for a while. I see. I I was like, I've been wanting to talk about it for a while, and I feel like I can fit Braid into another month versus the covenant. I think this is uh, the the best time to do it uh, because I I offered it to Garrett. Um, uh, Garrett did uh, not get a pick for this month just because we end up getting a, a couple more guests. Uh, than we were doing um and so i did it pose it to garrett i go do you want the do you want the artsy good film or you want something campy and bad and he said camp is welcome camp um, is always welcome so yeah, i <laughs> no yeah we are uh if you can't tell because of the audio we are recording this uh remotely um, just for some uh, COVID, uh, COVID safety protocols. I'm not sick, but just making sure, making sure everybody's all safe. The block secure, is hot so. out here right now. We got to be careful. Hey, we got, you know, we got to look out for each other. I'd, I'd hate to get you sick or or the little man over there too. I'd hate to get the little gremlin sick. But um, so I, I will say, so w- watching this at home um, and like a self uh, kind of uh, self quarantine, um, if, if, if COVID's not going to get me, uh, it might be this movie. Uh, <laughs> what in God's name are we talking about this week? This movie, I, I, I don't know what I was expecting, but I was just blown away. <laughs> I gave I gave him a little preface of I was like I was like yeah at camp I was like Sebastian Sands the boys trying to do the craft and there's a lot of weird things going on. But the reason that it came to my mind 
um, because, you know, we're taking uh, our, our slab of uh, Pride Month movies is very different than last year's. Um, last year's Pride Month movies, uh, everybody brought like pretty personal picks and we got like real deep and personal, you know, and they were fantastic. Those yeah. are all really great episodes. You guys should definitely go back and listen to them. Um, but, uh, and then, so this one, this year I was like, okay, let's try to get a little more variety in there. And I remember one angle that you, um, kind of was, you're saying like, okay, what's a, a film that is queer, but has like very problematic elements. And yeah. this film doesn't necessarily fit into that, but this is a film, you know, that is interesting because it, it came out and it was um, criticized, you know, a lot for uh, queer baiting, you know, and, and for people that aren't familiar, queer baiting is like, you know, where you um, kind of, you know, sprinkle in uh, queer elements or you have queer coded characters to kind of draw in queer people, mm -hmm. even if it's yeah. not necessarily uh, embracing being inherently queer. Um, mm -hmm. and it, so, because it's interesting with this movie, you know, like, uh, who was this movie made for, you know, like yeah. obviously somebody said, okay, we're going to do the craft, but we're going to make it with guys and it's gonna be cool, but okay. But who are you making that movie for? Cause the fans of the craft are traditionally ladies and queer folk, you know, yeah. is there a, is there a sect of straight men out there that just love the craft and we're like, I don't feel seen enough, <laughs> you know? So it's like, did you make it for guys or did you make this for ladies and queer people with the amount of sweaty shirtless guys and the homoeroticism, you know, rife throughout this film? So it's like, who did they make this movie for? So that's why I found it interesting to bring into the the Pride Month discussion. And I think it's a, a fun kickoff as we did kind of have a heavy May. Um, and so mm -hmm. I, I want to, I thought this would be a fun kickoff. You know, I was thinking the same thing while I was watching this movie because you and I oftentimes will have uh, disagreements or we, we just perceive things differently as far as like how far is the tongue in the cheek, you know. Uh, I usually think sometimes it's maybe not far enough. You think maybe it is, it is far. So I was very curious to see where we would land on this one because I was uh, watching this film and I was like, I don't know was this directed by a human <laughs> were they awake were they sentient, <laughs> sentient during this time like what were they thinking like and i mean that in the most literal sense of what were you thinking like what were you going for with this because it not only is like a pre it's 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 almost like a parody but before the fact of something like a twilight or a teen wolf not the michael j fox like the television show that's kind of cw everybody's got abs but they're also like a witch or a warlock or a vampire or some other kind of you know mystical creature i was just completely bewildered the entire time and then the end of the movie also gets <laughs> like kind of anime and it's just like what what an, an absolute absolute experience I, I felt like I really needed to like lie down after this and like you know take an Advil like my god uh and if, if you know I, to just what 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 an intro you know to, to tell you to strap in then a a montage of just uh, uh texts and images and just mystical nouns accompanied by rom zombie himself <laughs> more human than human I mean, uh just blaring i was just like oh wow what a ride what okay let's strap in here because it's about to get crazy it's this movie is a is a uh a conundrum like it is just more questions than anything 
Um, if there's anything you don't have to question, this is 100% a, you know, aughts movie, uh, early oh 2000s, God. through and through. Like, when you look at the blueprint of aughts-style horror, I mean, this is up there. Uh, the the new metal, the Rob Zombie intro, like you said. like Yeah. Um, and, yeah, like, I just... I just had so many questions about like how the, the, the construction of this film, the way it's put together, but then also like, you know, so much of the, like you said, the intent wise, like how much of this, what, like, I want to say, I don't know. Like we're, we're, we, we got a lot to get into. So let's just go ahead and uh, kick it off guys. The Covenant, released September 8th, 2006, directed by Rennie Harlan, who uh, has a very interesting filmography um, that I think will kind of play into some of our questioning of the making of this film. Because uh, uh, he gets on the spot with A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, which um, has a, a very... Uh, has a lot of fans. Uh, it's definitely I wouldn't put it in like the top three of my favorite Elm Street films, but it does have a lot of fans uh, for its visual flair at least. Uh, but a lot of people also condemn it for like this is kind of like the introduction of like MTV Freddy Krueger. So you know uh, tracks and then uh, some other <laughs> films though, uh, Die Hard Two, Long Kiss Goodnight, Cliffhanger. Uh, so he was a big action guy uh, in the in the eighties and nineties. Uh, Long Kiss Goodnight, I guess, is where he met uh, Gina Davis, who he was married to for a little bit. I mm, um, love Gina. I love Gina Davis. Uh, this film was written by J.S. Cardone, the cinematography done by Pierre Gill, score by Tom and Andy, but it's all one word. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the box office on this uh, it brought in $37.6 million against a $20 million budget. This is the lowest rated uh, Rotten Tomato score that we have featured on the podcast so far, sitting at 4% on 75 reviews. Uh, and this has an average rating on Letterbox of t- uh, an average Letterbox rating of 2.1 out of 5. Uh, some subgenres we're going to be looking at. We got some witchcraft going on, uh, coming of age, um, I guess homoerotic stuff uh we mentioned the queer baiting that we'll get into a little bit more and uh just 2000s edge baby um yeah so we've we've already kind of gotten your initial shock of uh the experiencing the covenant but uh as far as uh, some of your general feelings of uh, the covenant first time around garrett oh man uh where where to where to begin uh i i think you were right on the nose as far as this really is uh, quite an apt time capsule of the 2000s and I don't necessarily mean that in a good way <laughs> as somebody who grew up in the 2000s this is certainly uh, representative of that era in a lot of different ways and watching this as far as the experience uh, it was enjoyable um, I did watch it this morning uh, I was not intoxicated literally at all, <laughs> which I feel like was a huge mistake. But uh, you feel like it. <laughs> this would have been much more enjoyable uh, if I was inebriated, uh, possibly with friends, <laughs> and was not watching this at like 10.30 a.m., you know. Uh, this this is uh, 
it's a, a bloated, silly movie with horrible performances, just the worst performances, <laughs> even worse dialogue that just from a technical filmmaking level, nearly every line of dialogue is overdubbed with just the most obvious ADR you've ever seen. It's so glitzy and 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 smooth and weird <laughs> and it's just it's like <laughs> this movie broke my brain man like it's so it's like part hot topic part calvin klein ad like part axe body spray like you know those like those bod um cologne mm-hmm. do you remember what I'm, yeah it, oh my this, god i remember bod yes it, and i don't know if you remember like in that the 2000s era there would be like cartoon drawings of men on there and they would have like you know 12 packs and be super Mm -hmm. ripped and it's like oh you would you would you'd be as hot as we are if you sprayed this garbage (laughs) on your body every single character is just one of those guys like one of those cartoon characters everyone's hair in this movie is the most 2000s hair i've ever seen the costumes are ridiculous at one point there's a character wearing a beanie and fingerless gloves unironically mm-hmm. i don't know if it's supposed to be funny or not i don't think it's supposed to be devon this movie is insane <laughs> it is you know i i'm a, i'm a person that like i don't uh i don't find a lot of joy or there's not as many quote-unquote just like trash films that i yeah. like you know enjoy like you know i watch don't get me wrong i get my fix on red letter media like everybody else and that's fun for me but like i don't usually mm-hmm. seek out uh movies that i know for a fact are trash and enjoy yeah. watching uh i don't believe in guilty pleasures per se either because like you shouldn't right. feel guilty about anything you like um totally. but i do have a, a select list of uh p- movies that people would uh, call trash that I just love so much and this is one of them I have so many memories of uh, watching this with the boys uh, you know whenever we're <laughs> you know we, we just got done wrestling and playing knee hockey in the basement and now we're gonna watch the covenant and drink some we're gonna go uh, get some uh, energy drinks and it's 11 <laughs> o'clock at night though you know like i mean i have that memory i have you know me watching it just at home by myself watching it with my sisters because they liked watching it because it was hot dudes uh you know and then uh, i uh, remember watching it with my college sweetheart in her in her uh like uh uh childhood home uh whenever we weren't supposed to be uh sleeping in the same room uh, I, she snuck into the guest bedroom, brought the laptop and watched this. Like I have a lot of vivid memories, uh, watching this movie for some reason. And, and I, I remember seeing it in theaters too, seeing it in theaters, like, cause I remember seeing the trailer for this. Like, uh, I was, a this was probably peak of my anime obsession. Um, so yeah, I wanted anything that had to do with superpowers just in general at that time. And, um, yeah, this movie is just, it's not good. It's not written well. <laughs> There's, you know, it's an interesting concept. Like, you take the, obviously, like, you see where the selling point for this was. Like, how it was easy to get a $20 million budget for this film. Like, you sell it. Yeah. It's the craft with dudes. We're going to make it, uh, you know, metal and cool. Uh, of course, like, on paper, that sounds like it's going to be a home run easily. And uh, this movie, just the way it came together, um, it is like an extended cologne commercial. Like, and I, I want to direct cologne commercials. Like, that's something on my bucket list because you can just have this abstract idea that has nothing to do with what you are presenting and then it be just that and it just be a vibe. Yeah. 
um this movie it's just it's funny like it's you can like sit here and just like make fun of the the characters i mean there's like you know they're 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 called the sons of ipswich and there's like one of them that has four lines the entire movie he's just around making facial expressions like exactly exactly uh, uh one you know one main character's whole personality is he drives a motorcycle like i mean like this is there's there's just not much uh, going well on a filmmaking level but as far as just delivering just some sort of just very strange out of body experience of a film uh this it, it does it like it 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 like i have fun every time i watch this movie um i'm a sucker for the early 2000s uh cool blue aesthetic you know oh, yeah. i i love that you know underworld twilight you know this was peak around that time of doing this um this is such a time capsule of 2006 um and even with the cast you know you see some of the cast go on to do more things some of them go on to uh do even trashier films um i mean like and then some people rise uh the you know we we saw the bright spot here uh, everybody i think the the one consensus of this film uh if, if anything to watch is sebastian stan is having a camptastic time uh, being a bisexual menace, which I'll get into uh, w- with my whole queer reading of this film. That I should just, be your new uh, Twitter bio, bisexual menace. I, I am a bisexual menace. That is literally my whole my whole identity. Um, but uh, do you want to are you gonna attempt a sixty second synopsis on this? This was what I was most excited for. <laughs> oh Jesus in heaven! Yeah, sure, let's go for it. Put uh, put the put the time on the clock. I got you in three, two, one, go. Okay, think of you know New England. Uh, it's it's the it's the Pacific uh northeast of the country and you got a bunch of bros four of them in fact how old are they they're in age they might be in like college or high school doesn't matter they've got abs and they've got muscle cars and motorcycles but they've also got superpowers that's right these guys are witches warlocks uh vampire anime superheroes it doesn't matter they've got abilities one of them in fact is about to reach an age uh similar to like a bar mitzvah but with witches they're about to become a man and they are about to ascend and, and and achieve this power but with power comes great responsibility and others want that power You've got this 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 posturing from all of these young men trying to vie for this power. There's also ladies there too, and I say that as about as casually as the movie does. They're also there, and these boys are just being boys, being Five, bros, hanging four, out with three, muscle cars, and two, are doing one. insane things. It's 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 yeah. I even while give you were some talking, bonus. I, was... I even give you some bonus seconds on that because it was <laughs> needed. <laughs> while you were talking uh, and just sharing your thoughts, I was not only looking through like the Wikipedia like plot synopsis of this movie, but also just like flipping through like images on IMDb, and I was just completely like entranced in 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 all of this. This is such a weird, wild experience of a movie. I had never uh, seen the film. I was this completely unfamiliar to me. Uh, so this was a, a first time watch and I was just I was blown away Tavon. you picked a hell of a movie to, to kick off Pride Month with. And I'm, I'm curious, are there any uh, uh, I don't know, what are we going to call Covenant fans? Are there people in the Covenant? Is it as simple as that? You know, like so, well, what are Covenant fans called? 
I mean, I guess it is. I mean, we are the sons of Ipswich. Everyone, uh, every they they have a built-in band name. They even call it out. Like, what are they a boy <laughs> band? Uh, which I love. Um, yeah. And you know, so much of the setup is very funny of it. And so what what I'll do is I'm gonna I'm gonna give my overarching uh, theory, my overarching queer theory of it. And then as we uh, come about things, we can I'll elaborate a little bit more. Okay. Um, so, you know, so, okay. So like you, you were confused on, yes. What, what are these superpowers they have? Um, you know, they, they do say witches in the movies. Uh, they don't, they don't say warlock excuse me. ever. Excuse, excuse me. I believe it's we <laughs> Yes. Yes. It, it, I believe it's we Devon. Let's get it right. The, the back to back lines of ooh, witchy. And then I'm going to make you my we back to back in the same scene. The audacity. <laughs> Um, and you know, so it's very funny, you know, what, what are they? Um, they don't ever say witchcraft. They do say spells, but they never say like warlock and they make jokes about it being witch powers, but it's more, you know, bloated telekinesis with some like extra shit going on. Um, it's not very explained, but in the, uh, the very lazy opening title credits, you know, like we, no, we don't get a cold open period piece, you know, to no. like kind of give us a little background on the the sons of Ipswich. Nah, it's just we get really boring text just put in front of you, and then the There's, title card. So it's like it's it's four minutes before we even see a face in this movie. And there's not even any like voiceover. Like no. I have to sit there and read it myself. Not, not even not like a, a cool, cool voice, voice or anything. Yeah, it's literally just me being like, okay, so back <laughs> and, and you know, it's the and, like with this weird Lord of the Rings like font, and and then it kicks off into Rob Zombie, and I was just like. I was, I was like being like reeled back by what I just experienced in the first opening minutes of this movie alone. <laughs> we, we have a Rob Zombie and a White Zombie song, uh, but two different iterations of Rob Zombie's music is yes, featured yes. in this film. Uh, but in this uh, boring intro, uh, they describe it as simply the power, capitalized the power, because, you know, that's manlier than witchcraft. Can't call Hell it witchcraft yeah. and spells, but the power, that sounds real manly, you know? Yeah. But here's, so this is entirely my queer reading because my queer reading kind of contradicts the film in a way because, like, by my queer theory, the film is anti-gay or okay. anti-queerness. Okay. Okay. But, by, but by my theory, I mean, I guess it is still anti-queer, but at the same time, at the end of the day, like, I'm still rooting for Sebastian Stan at the end of this movie. So, no. So, it's not anti-queer for me. So, the the their their power is this, you know, metaphor for, for queerness. Um, yeah. You know, like, and it's, you know, something that's a part of them. But it's like, hey, you shouldn't use it. You shouldn't embrace it, you know, because it's going to suck your life from you, you know, once yeah. you fully embrace it. And then, yeah. so when you look at uh, our four main characters, uh, we have Caleb is uh, the most old-looking one of the group. I mean, yes, the age ambiguity of it all, because they are supposed to be in a preppy high school, even though the campus looks like a college and they all look in their 30s. Yeah, <laughs> and then also at one point, one of the characters, when they're at the bar, 
the boys are, I, play, I believe, playing foosball, which happens a couple of times in this movie, mind you. Uh, and the girls are like, ah, oh, can you believe this? We were hanging out with them and we were having fun, but they went off and now they're having fun. And one of the characters remarks, she says, oh, you know, boys in their 20s. And I was like, wait a minute. Wait, what? <laughs> like, how old are they? Are they 20? Are they 18? Like, it was, it's it's very ambiguous, as are their power set. Yeah, that yeah, because the, the whole thing of the movie is Caleb is turning 18. He's the first. First yeah. one to turn 18, he's the oldest, um, and because he's going to ascend, uh, you know, uh, this is the turning point for your queerness. Like, are you going to embrace it or are you not going to, you know? So yeah. it's like, we got the boys, we got Caleb, uh, we got um, Pogue, <laughs> a 2006 <laughs> name if I've ever heard one. Uh, again, his personality <laughs> is he um, has big biceps and rides a motorcycle and yeah. um, and has a girlfriend. And that's his whole thing. Uh, he is Caleb's, uh, the, the, his best friend. And these are the two aggro boys. You know, these mm-hmm. are the, these are the, the extra straight manly ones of the group. Like, you know, we have this queerness inside of us, but no, we're men. We're gonna, we're, we gotta be men, manly men, you know? Yeah. And I think that's kind of, when I was watching this, I was just, I was thinking about it through this lens, through this lens of the, you know, the queer subtext and just being kind of like, just completely uh, kind of goes back to that tongue-in-cheek conversation is like okay is this kind of pulling an american psycho to where it's making fun of this kind of posturing and this masculinity and this kind of ideal or is it supporting it and and saying that these guys are cool and they drive cool cars and they get all the chicks and they're cool swimmers and you know they've got these cool powers and they dress cool and their clothes are cool is it all that kind of stuff or is it poking fun at them and where i ultimately land is it's not poking fun at them and then it's this very odd like completely tone deaf um you know self-awareness where they're they're just completely uh uh not keyed in to the joke at all yeah and it I, I, I see it to one of two ways, because Rennie Harlan, from what I can tell, is he is a straight man. Uh, he was mm-hmm. married to Jean Davis. Uh, he has a wife currently, has kids. Um, as far as I can tell, um, straight, I didn't find any uh, queerness. So it's like I see it. One is him doing this as thinking it is very cool and serious, but maybe he has some closeted queer feelings that he hasn't even figured out yet. You know, mm. because if this is what his idea of cool is, then it's like, oh, you know, you might be a little, you know, limpress here. Um, or <laughs> or you could also, this is totally not the case, but I, I could see this movie as, you know, uh, directed by a queer person making a joke and being like, yeah, this is what straight guys are like. Like, they're so cool. Yeah. Like, they play pool and, like, they swim. Like, yeah, this is, this is what guys do. And... Um, and, and it, like the way that the four main characters are so inseparable of each other, like, you know, they, they're talking about like their family, the old families are like connected, but they're like, you know, we're kind of brothers, but we're not, you know, but we are yeah. because we, we have so much a legacy in the town, you know, mm-hmm. but then it's like, so then you have the, the other two boys, um, you have Reed who I definitely had a crush. He was my crush whenever I would watch this, um, as a, as a teen, um, um, and then there's Tyler Sims. Um, uh, he's the one that does not speak. Um, he has mainly facial expressions, but that is uh, Chase yeah. Crawford, who would go on to be. Uh, he is currently the deep in the boys, yeah, so the he boys. is still swimming. Um, uh, he is good to see he, that he's still swimming. <laughs> 
Um, and so Tyler and Reed, they're like, you know, I, I in my notes, I just call them the Twink Boys. Uh, just to save uh, typing and, and twink is not an insult this is just what they are they kind of read <laughs> as they are the because like they're their ability or their want to be like no we have these cool powers and we want to do them this is them like being like no like being queer is cool i want to embrace it more and then you have the two aggro boys that are like no you can't do it in public we can't do it too much because you get addicted and like I get like he like obviously it makes sense like that the power drains you and he's supposed to be you know the quote unquote responsible one but at the same time these are they're their own people make your decisions mm-hmm. and let them make their decisions you know and I yeah. think that's you know um where I kind of see it in that way because you know we kind of see that come up later when Caleb condemns them at certain points but it's cool at the beginning when they do the little chase scene because he says so he gives them the thumbs up all right we can use our powers let's lose the cops and let's have some fun with it because he decides it's cool at that moment not because Mm -hmm. they do you know so there's a there's a lot of power dynamics as far as like the the hyper the extra hyper masculine ones of the group and the other two that could be read is a little bit more ambiguous yeah and if we're going down that that thought process of this ascending or this power um which is you know maybe this metaphor for you know um these closeted feelings and things like that then by that logic james who is caleb's father has kind of been corrupted uh he's withering away at one point they say i think he was like 44 or something like that because he at one time used this power it has completely degenerated him so it would be understandable that if we are following this logic that you would think that this older generation, perhaps because of um, AIDS and HIV and like mm-hmm. maybe like that's that same kind of mm-hmm. coding there. Um, but I'm also kind of just curious if maybe we're giving these writers a little bit too much credit. Like I want to say that some of these things are intentional, not that I condone them or I think that they're great ideas because I think if anything, they're pretty problematic. But then I'm also mm-hmm. just like, wouldn't that be hilarious if no. you guys were just completely unaware of what you were making, like, you know, uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 to where they were like, wait, you think this movie's gay? Why? And it's like, have you seen it? <laughs> exactly. And that's that's literally the reason I I wanted to do this because it does it did kind of have this phenomenon later on of you know like yes like by my queer theory this movie would be anti-gay and like this is Mm anti-gay like you said like there could be an AIDS allegory in there for sure and Mm -hmm. you know but the the way that the queer community regardless if it's anti-gay or not it's still a queer story if it if you you know read it in that way so in a way that like okay it's presented with kind of these problematic ideas like whether it's queer baiting or not where whether it's queer coded or not but then the queer community could still take this and still be like you know what no we're still going to take this we're going to reclaim it for ourselves and yeah. have our readings on it and that's what i find very interesting in it like uh, i came up with a whole alternate uh backstory because yeah we are giving the writers too much credit at this moment do i think that they were thinking about any of this stuff i highly doubt it but at the same time <laughs> there's certain times that there's certain scenes that are played out and I'm like, how are you guys not thinking about this? Yeah. You know? It's almost comic. It's almost comical. Like so, how, yeah. So it is, it is very funny. Like my alternate like backstory thing for the dad. So uh, since the, so the, the dad and the mom separated because he was too addicted to the power. 
AKA he had a man on the side. She didn't Ooh. feel good about that. They're old money. You can't have a a, a little um, a, an, a gay affair going off on the side using yeah. your magic and mm-hmm. doing your thing. And the dad was like, "No, I I I embrace this. Like you know, like I don't care if it is draining my life. It's I'm living the life that I want to live. And that could be you know read as something of an AIDS allegory. You know, when people are are um, contract AIDS and then. It, not as much now because we have you know more manageable medication and stuff for it but before mm-hmm. it was like if you found out you were hiv positive or had aids people were like acted like it was a death sentence like oh it's yeah. done for you now like oh mm-hmm. hope you had fun having your uh you know doing your queer thing but like you're done now and so it's like if you do read it that way like yeah the dad could easily be an aids allegory uh in yeah. that way of like how it like speeds it up you know and then uh and then, you know, we have the whole thing at the end with like, you know, like, uh, again, like this would lead into the the anti-gay part of it being like, hey, your son, he's on the line and he's he's going to end up like you if you don't give him your power so he can stay super manly and beat the queer boy. You know, like mm-hmm. if you don't do this. So it's like very much still feels very anti-gay in that way. But at the same time, um, you know, is any of that, you know was that baked in no this is from you know uh 16 years of you know retrospective at this point and again like it's just kind of had this reclamation uh, i couldn't find anything of uh you know the director's thoughts on any of these uh queer readings but if you look up the uh the covenant and queer there's so many articles uh that you can find uh friends of the show uh joe and trace from the horror queers they did a great article on blade disgusting on it um, definitely check that one out, but yeah, there's, um, and then, and then, which leads me to, um, you know, the opus of the queer theory is, uh, Chase Collins, the, the mystery fifth son of Ipswich, uh, played by Mr. Sebastian Stan. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, when I watched fresh earlier this year, I, you know, like whenever people were, you know, having fun with him being campy and like having, I was like, I was like, we saw this from the beginning, guys. You guys just missed it. <laughs> you guys didn't understand at the time. Um, because, again, like, he is, comes in and he's, you know, like, um, e- e- embracing the power. But he he didn't know because he didn't grow up with the boy. So he didn't know about his powers until late. Uh, all the information was given to him at different times. Like, you know, like when you're having these queer feelings, but don't have any resources or information available to you or somebody to kind of help you walk through these feelings that mm-hmm. he had. He he had a lonelier version of it. So like now he's like kind of has just this like uh, the, the radical energy that one might have, like, you know, like, say, um, if you, uh, you know, haven't come out to your family or something or or then you finally do and the family is not great, but like you're an adult at this point and then you kind of branch off and go do your own thing. And then you do, you just let your queerness go wild. That's, that's, that's chase here. He's, he, he's feeling these feelings. And now that he doesn't have parents uh, holding them back and he knows uh, the power that he holds, you know, he's ready to embrace it and he wants more of it, you know? And, um, and again, the anti-queer part is he's the villain of the movie. Um, but you know, it, I found myself strangely empathizing with him. Like he literally had mm-hmm. a, like whenever he's like, he's like, do you know what it felt like growing up not knowing what this is? And he, like yeah. the way he said it, 
it very much I felt like a, a queerness in the reading, like the way that he delivered that line almost, um, which yeah. was I found very interesting. Yeah, I, I think where this kind of metaphor, though, I guess I'm tripping up on it is and I, I don't have a problem in like diving in super deep to these things, even if it's not the writer's intention. I think that that's kind of the fun with these movies is, you know, the filmmakers put it out there. Uh, and with lots of movies, they, uh, you know, kind of let the, the audience kind of have it now. It's theirs and w the audience will do with it what they will. And I, I love that this thing that even might have some like anti-queer ideas and themes has now been reclaimed by the very community that it's maybe, you know, kind of um, uh, casting aside intentionally what or otherwise. But I think what I guess I'm getting a tripped up on and I would be curious to get your thoughts is Chase as a character is someone who's not just he's not really wanting Caleb to join him it doesn't feel like he's trying to convert him in a way or have no. Caleb have the sexual awakening he's wanting to take this his power and and things from him which to me is just an, uh, like one of the many elements of this movie to where I'm like there are certain ideas but there are some other ideas that I think are kind of conflicting with that. So I just, did you have any kind of reading on that as far as Chase maybe not wanting Caleb to join him or having Caleb have the same kind of awakening that Chase has or be more comfortable with himself, but to really kind of take his power away from him? It, I, I kind of read it as like, he's at a point where he doesn't care of other people's opinions at this point anymore. So he's saying mm -hmm. to Caleb, okay, you don't want this power. Like, you, you know, you, you're, you condemn all your friends for using it and you have all these strict rules and stuff. Fine. If you don't want it, give it to me. I want it, you know, but then Caleb doesn't like that because then it's, oh, well, no, like this is, it's yeah. still mine. You know, I don't want to give it to you. Um, yeah. even though I don't want it, you know, I mean, aside from the fact that apparently you die when you, uh, will somebody your powers away aside yeah, from that. I but, like, I'm sure if there was a way, like, I'm sure if they, like, went actually studied that spell book that they randomly have in that, like, stone cavern that they go to for their clubhouse, <laughs> I'm sure there's yeah. a spell in there to where it's, like, you can transfer your powers without dying or something or a portion of it. I don't know. He could have figured it out, but no. Um, so it's, like, so, yeah, I never saw it as, like, Chase being, like, trying to convert him. It's, like, no, I am embracing it, so help me embrace it but of course he goes at it with a homicidal you know uh way of doing it so you know hence yep, there's, being there's also kind of an interesting conversation in the movie that caleb is having where he kind of looks towards his father in the sense that like when you turn 18 the way caleb proposes it is almost like you don't have a choice like this power completely takes over your life and you don't really have a choice in whether or not it kills you so first off what a shit deal, man. You get superpowers yeah. and when you're 18 and then you just immediately die in your 40s. No, thank you. Uh, but well, also, I you, think if... Well, that's with, with, well, that's with the, the way that it's used is the, the proposition of it. Um, and and then the key wording in that scene when he's lamenting about it is he goes, it's seductive. Yes. Yes. Why? Yeah, why uh, would you say seductive if this isn't a queer fucking shit? <laughs> like that, there's that's definitely so, yeah, that's so seductive and uh, a lust for power and yes. all those kind of words that are very suggestive. But um, yeah, I just think it's interesting that if if we are going to continue down this this path of thinking of the coding of it all, is that this isn't he they make it seem like this isn't something that you have a choice in it's, mm -hmm. it's something that you are inevitably going to have to confront 
uh, and you can either let it like take over your life or you can continue to fight it your entire life, which I don't know if for that line of thinking, I'm kind of with Chase as far as like you're going to die eventually from this kind of power that's going to rot you from the inside. At least you might as well like kind of enjoy it, exactly. I guess. Exactly. <laughs> I'm exactly like if you're going to like again, like if you're going to live with, you know, like uh, again, like this is like for very specific you know, circumstances like uh, for people that like maybe um, say grew up in like I'm surprised this movie isn't more Catholic. Uh, it has some pagan imagery, but and like their uh, their dormitory seems like it'd be like a preparatory academy. But uh, this movie is shockingly not very Catholic. But say a queer person that is you know just constantly surrounded by you know just like oh you're gonna be people telling you you're gonna be condemned you're going to hell or like you know you're you're this you're that you're this you're that and then at some point you know do you like are you gonna be Caleb and go well you know what's expected of me I'm gonna continue on this road even I'm gonna fight it as hard as I can I'm gonna continue on this road to continue the the wide acceptance or Mm -hmm. am I gonna just say fuck it and embrace the power and say, fine, I don't care about anybody else, like, no matter, you know, what, if, if this power is going to kill me, aka, like, if, like, you know, I break connections around me, if it's the best thing for me, and it's what I want to live happily, then, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, I'm curious, the like, as to maybe why this film, I don't think it's, it's, it's allotted as, you know, the, the peak of <laughs> queer horror cinema, No, uh, but this is definitely a movie that has been adopted by this community. And I'm just, I'm curious as to perhaps why, if some of the ideas in the film are harmful or are uh, not supportive of the very group that embraces the film, I, I want to, I, I want to give queer people a little bit more credit other than just thinking I was like, well, what would I like about this movie besides everyone in the movie is really hot. And also for mm-hmm. the record used to be a model, <laughs> every single person mm-hmm. in the, in that group <laughs> was modeled before they were actors. So I'm just, why is it, do you think that this movie has been reclaimed by this community? I mean, I think it's, it, it's kind of similar to um, our conversation um, when we were talking about the warriors, you know, like on, you know, I think that's where just the the batshit insanity of the movie experience kicks in uh, for mm-hmm. for the queer community because like you know we love camp like you know like uh, we love campy shit um, yeah. whether it's intentional camp or not and so I feel like it's like kind of goes back to like how we we're saying with the Warriors like you can watch it and like you can pick apart the flaws and you can see the problems within it but yeah. the experience itself kind of makes up for. Um, it's some of the shortcomings of it and I yeah. think I think that might be the reason it's like oh, yeah this movie has so many issues it's so ridiculous they were probably not thinking of any of this so this is entirely what we want it to be at this point you know so yeah. it's like I'm gonna have my queer reading on it but I'm also gonna watch it for just the batshit insanity uh, you know these ridiculous uh slow motion cgi action scenes like that i remember that trailer moment of like the card thing whenever he runs into a semi-truck like i remember that in the trailer you know so it's like you, you let's just pack it with so it's like okay like uh we have a little uh gay panic uh here put uh put a ford mustang in there yeah let's yeah, put that in yeah. there uh, let's put a a fun dance scene to i love rock and roll in there to you know like you you gotta offset these things and uh so i think on yeah. the you know for for every uh problem it has it has to be equally as insane to offset it 
Yeah, and I, I'm all here for with movies like this. I, I think it's a fun conversation and kind of a fun exercise to really dive into almost like uh, in a necessary degree to where you're really trying to find like deep subtext in a movie like this. Because to me, that's a lot more of a fun uh, kind of experience rather than watching this movie and just hate watching it because that's really easy like it's very mm -hmm. easy to watch this movie and just laugh at the ridiculousness uh, ridiculousness of it all but I just think it's more enjoyable also makes for better content uh, to just really dive in there and uh, take these small moments and blow it up as something uh, exactly. much bigger yeah like, I, I, I think something like this is is it's a fascinating like I said time capsule of this era and also uh, clothes of this era and music of this era and also hair of this era can we talk about the hair for a second because this is it, everybody in this movie looks like if you went to your local hair salon in like 2007 I don't know if you've had this experience where they have like coffee table books mm -hmm. and they're just like big books and they'll have like all right here's brad pitt at the premiere of oceans 12 no these and are like, can... the 2006 haircuts we have uh we have the yeah. skater boy swoosh uh for reed you know um yes. we we love that uh caleb has you know the straight guy cool guy haircut um of course you know pogue because he's you know motorcycle guy he has the long flowing hair that was cool at the time um, it, it became that that was when it was like, hey, men can have long hair and we're still manly, you know, yeah. so it's like you got that. And then Tyler, of course, being just the, the side guy has the, the just regular guy haircut of the group. It's a little big. Yeah. He, uh, he has a bit of a big quaff there going because he's trying, Um, you know, he's putting a little effort in. Um, yeah. But, you know, and it's funny the, the when the 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 finale of the film i feel like is like the real culmination of like all the the queer subtext that we can blow out of proportion but also this is just the bonkers just like balls to the wall explodey finale you know like mm -hmm. oh man they're just really kicking the shit out of each other we got fire we got rain at the same time you know like <laughs> it's it really is this culmination especially like with the the banter that they're having back and forth you know it's like they fight a little bit and then they talk shit and then you know they fight a little bit and then you know some, some more shit talking and then it's like you know chase really loves to grab people's faces when he talks to them in this movie that's that's a big bisexual telling for me um, but when, when, when I greet people like at the bar, like I literally, I'm like a, I'm like a French person. I like grab like the like face neck thing. It's like a little side kiss. Like Chase is very much always holding someone's face when he's talking to him. And it's, it, it's just like kiss, kiss. And then he, he, he gives him a very forceful kiss when he, uh, intimidates him in the dorm room. Um, yeah. we, we, we get that, but it, you know, it's like, but in that finale, it's like they're fighting each other, but it also looks like Chase wants to just fuck the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about the fight and you had just, you had said that they, they fight a little bit and then they talk shit. And I think that that's like most of the plot points in this movie is it's just guys like roughhousing and like shoving each other and just like completely and then sitting around and just... talking. <laughs> yes like that's most of the movie and I think that that's what holds it back a little bit for me of it being like a super fun or a real great kind of crowd experience is it gets it is lags a bit in the middle for me to where it's it's very repetitive and it's mostly just these guys just again like acting like cool bros and pushing each other and talking shit and and Caleb's like oh the ascension and like all it's just like the same conversation yeah. like 10 times in a row well and, and it's like the movie then that's where it like feels like the movie's 
is taking itself a little too seriously. Like, cause mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, us being superhero nerds and stuff like, um, on this rewatch, I, you know, kind of like realized how, uh, until the finale, you know, really like there's not as much of the magic going on, you know, a yeah. lot of it, they'd spend a lot of time like trying to be like, uh, the mystery who's killing the people who's using their uh, magic you know and like what is it, uh, if there's a fifth son who is it like all this they spend a lot of time doing that like I mean we spend that library sequence is so long um, and mm. the the, scene, the 2000s were obsessed with library investigations we love library this investigations. is like the pinnacle of that there's a lot of library action in this movie. a lot of library <laughs> action and then they have like their like little coven area that is like kind of where they like have their spell book and from that point it's like yeah they kind of took this movie a little seriously because like i found myself wanting more of like you know like we don't dive into the way that the magic works. Like they say that they're spells, but how is chase the only one that knows spells? And then the other guys only know how to do their like force. Like Caleb can literally do nothing, but his like little bubble punch things. Uh, Like even when he like gains like power levels, he doesn't mm-hmm. get like more spells like, you know, chase, like he has like the like little spider spells. And like the, like when he like grabs them with like the tendrils and lifts them up and like, Chase has a a little more going on versus Caleb. Every time he got stronger, it just, he got bigger booms. His boom booms went bigger. Uh, And, uh, you know, and then like, but I like the scenes where it's like uh, when they're in the library and then they have to like float up to the ceiling and like catch the floating papers. You know, I thought that was fun. I I feel like uh, the opening chase scene with the cops is also fun. Like they drove off a cliff and then just like landed behind them. Like that's fun. Like why don't we get more of that? That I tell you, that car scene got a big laugh from me. I really <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's like, it's completely ridiculous. And also you're right, the power set of all of these guys, it doesn't matter. It's like it's all just like whatever the plot needs them to do, they can do. At uh, one point in the movie, Reed uh fixes a car with his mind. Uh Caleb gets hit by one uh, and completely shatters this car into a million pieces. By the way, this car accident, this car, it's literally like, you know, in a cartoon where somebody gets in a car accident and then they're just there with like the frame of the car and the steering wheel. Like that's literally what happens to Caleb. How did he pass through the truck? Like his physical self? Like where did his physical body go when his car is reforming around the semi truck? Like nothing. We get no answers to how yeah. any of the the witchcraft works and then also the truck driver just continues driving he wasn't like he didn't park and you know there wasn't even like a funny moment where he like looks at what a can of whatever he's drinking and he's like oh man what's in here like there's not even a moment like that just keeps on moving about his day just keeps on driving meanwhile caleb is driving uh what i assume at the time was a really cool mustang uh but now it's like man i know guys in high school that had that car you know and yeah. the, uh, and uh is it by pogue is driving a ducati and it's just like <laughs> what did they, like I, I know they're like a bit old money but is is that where they're getting all like that's how they're Apparently. spending their time is just with cool chicks and cool cars <laughs> i mean i will say the old money aspect is um is interesting cuz i i will say the sets are pretty nice like i love the gothic sets uh caleb's house is gorgeous i wish we got to spend more time at his house um where uh Mm -hmm. the college itself like the way it's like so massive and dark and gloomy like the the sets are really good uh the cgi is hit and miss um like because uh they they blatantly rip off the lost boys at the beginning too where they jump Mm -hmm. off the cliff to join the party but they like do a weird 
CGI version of Caleb falling down through the clouds that looks so bad. I'm like, y'all oh, yeah. couldn't get a stuntman to just drop from a, a cliff? <laughs> or you, you, like literally like like that would have been so much easier get some fans and some smoke you easily could have done that better the way that they did yeah. in the lost boys like what <laughs> yeah the there's a lot of effects moments in this that are just like oof, oh man they really they really were confident in those uh early 2000s uh cg oh yeah there. And, they, they yeah, were it's... unabashed of showing of showing things off because like when they do do the few scenes of showing off the magic like yeah they they try to you know do some interesting stuff it's just they don't do enough of it and without like any explanation like the mm-hmm. uh the power escalation is done better in one of the other films that i'll mention later um, yeah. But there's another film that's not in my movie math um, called Hellbender that came out last year. And it's a, a DIY um, um, horror film done by this family. They like make these horror films together. It's really dope. And um, but it's about like, you know, the mom is a witch and the daughter is like coming into her witch powers. And the mom was mm-hmm. not going to tell her at first. But then, you know, is like, OK, no, I do need to tell you. And um, the way that they do witchcraft on that, like they don't give you any explanation, but mm-hmm. they do it in intervals that like you can like kind of pick it up. Like basically like they're they're more like alchemists where they can like they 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 know like they get like an intuition on how to do a spell and then yeah. they like gather which items they need and mix it and draw blood and drip it and like do what they need to do. And then the spell happens. You know, and mm-hmm. they have a way of like progressing that throughout the film as like she like learns how to use her magic in different ways. They don't yeah. explain it, but they give us like more visual cues to it versus just invisible bubbles, you know, for most of the movie. Yeah, I could see this group of boys being a little bit more endearing and maybe something that like could spawn a CW type show or something like that. Uh, but it's just really unfortunate that these guys also use their powers to assault a woman at the bar. Like, yeah. that's pretty, that's Gross. not super cool, guys. <laughs> yeah, no. And in in, in 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 a series, it would, yeah, maybe you would, because, like, they do a lot of, like, implying their longtime friendship and how close they are and everything. And they yeah. tell you a lot about it, but it's like you never get to feel that. Like, the, the camaraderie between them feels kind of synthetic. Like, I'll say... The one scene where I actually do feel um, like, okay, these are like teens that hang out and know each other is like, even though they like kind of had a little bit of a fight when, or they like had their first fight at Nikki's, but then when they go back again, everybody's cool. You know, they're cool. They're playing uh, foosball together. They're playing pool together. They're dancing. And it actually feels like, oh, like these are people that do hang out together at least, you know. But yeah, that's like the very little glimmer of it I saw. I'll tell you this, though, and we'll talk about it towards the end of the episode as we tee up next week's episode. But I, I don't know if it was intentional for, of, of you or not. But I think that the 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 thing that we discussed last week that will be in a future episode as far as us kind of um, uh, are pitching our own movie has a lot of similarities with this one. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I don't know if that was intentional uh, on your part, but this movie might have left a like a subtle little imprint on your head Oh, I mean, we were talking about last week. Definitely. Like, uh, yeah, the, the sports team aspect and like that yep. whole like dynamic. Yeah, um, definitely was uh, leaked into our pitch episode. And, yeah. uh, you know, um, and, and that and that even is very funny to me, too. Again, like. Um, if a say a, a queer person was writing this film and they're like, 
uh, oh yeah, I'm gonna make them manly. They're on a sports team. What sport do they play? Oh, they swim. swim. <laughs> like, it, it, like, oh yeah, that's like when I think of like you know real manly sport guys, I'm like, yeah, those fucking swimmers. Like nothing against swimmers, top tier athletes, but they, yeah, um, not where my mind goes in that aspect. And then you know even having that with like. Uh, you know, the, the, the tension between, uh, Caleb and Chase when they're like kind of broing out a little bit. This is, this is where Caleb is getting tempted a little bit. He's, yeah. he's getting tempted. Like he's kind of feeling Chase a little bit. They're having a, you know, a, a nice little, um, you know, connection spawning, you know, and this is where Caleb starts to feel a little insecure in his, uh, in his masculinity. So what's he do? Oh, I hear, uh, you're a pretty good swimmer. Let's race, you know, and then we have a <laughs> a heavy metal rate, uh, a heavy metal swim race. Yeah, we uh, do, because that is as manly as it gets, guys. Um, and yeah. you know they're they're racing and they're locking eyes back and forth at each other. I don't think people do that when when you're um in a swim race. I think you're I think you're kind of you know doing your own thing, but nah, we have some we have some sex eyes going back and forth and sex eyes cued by. Chase using his powers, informing them that he is the fifth member, that he is queer. See, it's all there. It's, Damn. It's, it's there. <laughs> and it also uh, continues in the locker room where we get the uh, lots, lots of abs and butts and also talks of dicks and choking. Yes. <laughs> Some nude choking in the locker room. Oh, my God. I mean. I, I know I when I was in high school I definitely heard some stories about the swim team and like they did a lot of like odd odd things I'll just say that um but I now I'm curious whether was there just nude naked choking while they're talking about each other's dicks in the locker room because it gets it's it pretty gay guys we'll, it gets we'll have pretty to gay. we'll have to ask uh we'll have to ask Joe the next time we talk to him uh horror queers Joe very gay has a very hot bod and he was on the swim team we'll we'll uh, clarify yeah. if this was what it was like um so like when Sebastian Stan gets into it with like the other fucking bully guy like he is getting like aroused like whenever he grabs his throat like Sebastian Stan's faces are so fucking funny like this is like when he like really starts uh the 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 camp starts uh, leaking out because like you know he's pretty pretty normal for the first half mm -hmm. of the movie and then around this point is when again he's like oh I'm getting a little comfortable around the boys I'm gonna let my freak out a little bit I'm gonna, I'm gonna start being weird <laughs> and you know and uh, has like a uh, the moment uh in the locker room so yeah it's uh you know there's there's a lot of things going on in this movie um you know the and then it, it, the, there's so much going there's so not much going on for the first hour 15 hour 20 and then like yeah. that finale just they like bum rush you the, yep. the, that's just like the, the the finale of this movie is final call at the bar and your friend orders four shots <laughs> at last call to be like, come on, we got to get them in before we go. Like we got to make sure we're extra fucked up before we leave. And it's like, that's what this finale tries to do. <laughs> yeah. I think that there's also enough room to where like this movie kind of hints at other storytelling, but isn't like fully dive into some of the details. There's enough ambiguity there that, not that I want it, but, you know, circa 2007, 2008, because this movie didn't make a lot of money. It didn't really it probably didn't make no. its budget back with uh, with marketing. 
But um, if there was a television show or something like that or a graphic novel or a comic book, because uh, this is a very comic book story, despite the fact that it's not based off of a graphic novel or anything like that, I do think that there is enough room for storytelling to where you could maybe dive into some of these other families and maybe go in the past a little bit. Because I, I think that there's enough enough wiggle room here. Oh, yeah. they You can tell they definitely tried to set it up, even though... <laughs> the finale cracks me up so they you know they have their fight um uh, caleb ascends so he notches up a level and then uh and then his dad wills him his power so they notches up another level in order to uh defeat chase so he you know hits him with an extra big boom boom blast and knocks him into the burning barn where uh and it's so sad haven't even mentioned sarah or kate because, again, even the women are written to be ancillary to this fucking movie because it's Completely. all about the tension between these dudes. Like, yeah. literally, you know, they are used as damsels in distress. When we have the scenes of just the girls together, they are literally only talking about the boys. Or Yeah, I, yeah I, I'm usually <laughs> not one to put too much stock into, like, the Bechtel test. I don't necessarily think it's the end-all, be-all as far as, like, female representation in movies. But this movie fails the Bechtel test so badly. Not only did it fail the test, but it, like, you know, took the little Scantron and, like, chewed on it and, like, spit it out on the desk. Like, yeah. it is failing so miserably at the Bechtel test the female characters in this movie are completely it's like sub one-dimensional they're like <laughs> I didn't even they're mean not for even it, like matter <laughs> I didn't even mean for this to come up like this but I legit just like had the realization I go we've been talking about this movie for an hour and I have not mentioned the female characters once I was like that is wild and like that is like such a terrible testament to this film um, but, uh, again, like, like you said, like, you know, the Bechdel test is, it is what it is, but like, this is biggest fail, uh, uh on it big time. Um, yeah. because yeah, they are just used, but, but again, how did Sarah not burn in this barn while the boys are duking it out in the front? And then he blows chase into the burning barn, <laughs> causing a little mini explosion. He, he, he does what to chase, Devon? He does what to chase? <laughs> he blows him hard into this. He blows his load into chase into the barn, and it, there's a mini explosion, and uh, um, and somehow uh, she survives. But then they uh, couldn't because the firefighters couldn't find the body. They go. Wait, wait, well, where did he go for like that was like they're teeing up for the sequel, but it's like uh he he got eviscerated. Did you not see yeah. that? Like he yeah. got eviscerated by the the spell bomb and then also the fire. I was like, I think he just got like vaporized, uh, and that that was like their lead up. But um, in and you mentioned a uh, graphic novel. Uh, they did a prequel uh to the movie. Um, mm -hmm. So there is, uh, if we want to, I guess, I, I hope that's like period piece stuff, but I bet it is just more boring stuff about the boys, I'm sure. Um, it, yeah. Maybe it's uh, the stuff when they were 13, because I find that interesting. Like, uh, that, yeah. I feel like that would have been even a more interesting, like, if they were going to do like a TV show for this or something, I would want to do the 13-year-olds, um, because that's like when they get a, when they first get um, introduced to their powers. And I think that would yeah. be interesting because 13-year-olds, that is like, you know, a time where you are figuring out a lot about yourself, including the yeah. way you feel about uh, other people sexually. So I feel like that would be super interesting. 
Yeah, I think there's also just this kind of missing ticking clock element of this movie to where he's turning 18 and, and that, how that relates to like not only the the literal sense of their powers and this ascension but also your sexuality and and that kind of age when you are graduating high school i'm surprised there's not like a uh, a big uh a graduation kind of event here um it, like I'm, I'm surprised the movie is missing something like that but something that doesn't surprise me is that there was like a graphic novel prequel to this uh and i also wouldn't be surprised to hear that there was maybe some anime influences in here i'd kind of mentioned that um, earlier on but this in fight they're literally like shooting Kamehameha waves at each other. Granted, it's the lamest version of that, but it is like super anime inspired. Oh, yeah. Their powers are are so nonspecific. And if you were to have like a big, you know, uh, large scale battle, it would essentially just be Dragon Ball Z. I mean, the the very idea of the ascension, like it's 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 baffling to me that Chase didn't be like he's over nine thousand. You know, <laughs> like I mean, because the power set is so ambiguous. Like he. <laughs> He ha he's ascended. He's got more powers. Okay, what do you mean? Like he can push a little bit harder than you? Like I, it's so unclear in it. But it also it super doesn't matter. You know, with mm -hmm. this movie, it does not matter. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, pretty much that kind of sums it up. It doesn't matter. This movie at the end of the day does not matter, but it does. Mm -hmm. Um, and I find it interesting how it you know was able to kind of have that turnaround. Uh, you know, despite, you know, what intentions may or may not have been behind this film, who yeah. knows? This movie is, uh, it's an enigma for sure. Um, out of, out of, um, out of five Speedos, uh, what are you, <laughs> what are you given the covenant? Um, yeah, I think you pretty much summed it up pretty well is it does not matter. And, and also who knows? Uh, and I think the answer to that question is certainly not the creators of this movie, because I don't think that they know either. Uh, the audience doesn't know the filmmakers don't know, uh, this movie really is this odd, um, enigma. Um, and simply because I, this movie is so fascinating to watch from like a time capsule kind of perspective. Um, and despite the fact that it is pretty boring um i'm at a crisp uh two and a half out of five stars which for me is just saying that there was a lot of it that i did enjoy watching but then there's like almost an equal if not more amount of things that i did not enjoy so i think that this is fun purely on a tongue-in-cheek level but also i'm going to give it a little bit more credit and it's like okay if i had a couple of drinks in me I could enjoy this. I could enjoy this. If I snuck into my girlfriend's house like you did to watch it late at night on a laptop circa like 2012 or whenever that was, probably would have enjoyed it. But at, you know, 10 a.m. in the morning on a on a, on a Thursday, not not necessarily my cup of tea. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> um, you know, uh, it, this is a this is definitely a two star movie. Um, but putting um, a critical eye aside and just, you know, my personal feelings, enjoyment of the film and, you know, again, like, yeah, kind of having those those specific circumstances, you know, I I uh, I watched it, did my rewatch. I had watched uh, The Saint yesterday with Val Kilmer and was yeah. uh, very disappointed by it. And I was like, so it was a good pick me up after that. I was like. You know, like it, the Saint was, it was so cheesy and like weird. I thought it was like supposed to be like a serious, like erotic thriller, and it's so not. And so I needed a pick me up. So what, me watching this after that, like, was the the perfect time again to to rewatch it. 
Um, I've, yeah. I've, I've put this on at the bar before and people are just like, what is happening right now? And I'm like, I, yeah, I know. Right. Um, <laughs> the, the, this movie, um, yeah, scratch is a very specific itch for me. Um, and it, you know, serves as, you know, um, this is, was a great for like, as I'm a uh, kind of like working on ideas for like a superhero or super powered story type thing. Um, it, it mm-hmm. kind of serves as, um, a good tempo of things not to do and uh things to avoid and things i can improve on as far as like you said with like the the ambiguous of the witchcraftiness and uh yeah. to it um uh, but being able to pull um this uh very interesting uh queer theory out of this um it, you know not giving credit to it's not giving credit to the the director or writer um it's um it, but it is in a way i don't know it, it is it's very hard to describe on um you know the 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 spell that this movie puts me on um so yeah. it, uh, it will go on my it'll be a three and a half out of five that's my hot mess um this is definitely a uh very hot hot very hot mess um fuck mary kill of the sons of ipswich oh man oh man Whew, that's tough okay so i'm gonna go ahead and um uh, I'm uh, th- this might be a bit of a surprise. I'm gonna kill Reed, unfortunately, for oh. you. Uh, Reed is the douchiest one of the group. He has the absolute worst worst uh, clothing. He's just not. He's not. He's not it. Um, I'm definitely gonna be uh, uh, fucking Tyler. Love a strong, silent type. Um, okay. okay. <laughs> and then I'm gonna marry Pogue because I, I want to be on the back of that Ducati, <laughs> just you know, <laughs> holding tight. <laughs> hey, I can't fault you there. I can't fault Thank you. you there. Thank um, you. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, I mean, I'm fucking, I'm fucking Chase because I mean, he's made it very clear he is gonna use his powers until he dies soon. So yeah, so, choke so, me in the shower, Daddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we'll, we'll fuck. Um, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill, I'm gonna kill Caleb. He's just boring. Like, get out of here, Mr. Yeah. Like, you know, he's a Taylor Lautner wannabe. Um, and and like, imagine how much better this movie would be, even if it just had a better protagonist, you know, like could have even made a big difference in the film. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm killing Caleb and, uh, I'm gonna marry, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, hmm. You know, I'm going to marry Tyler um, because, nice. um, yeah, no, definitely not Reed. He is. I'm not marrying Reed. Uh, we can just still be homies. Um, I, but I can tell he would not be not be good relationship material. Uh, Tyler, you know, he's just got mystery. I don't know. Like, you know, he has sides to him that, you know, I may love. He's got very soft eyes. Uh, uh, he just backs people up. You know, like that's his whole thing in the movie. Just has everybody's back, uh, no matter the circumstance. Um, so yeah, so uh, so I'll marry Tyler. You know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it's a real uh, Sophie's choice uh, when it comes to these guys. Uh, uh, but it's also so funny that they're all pretty interchangeable as far as they're. I'll, I'll have they're, an... They all are just the smoothest, whitest boys you've ever seen. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's oh not my... an ounce of facial hair in this movie. <laughs> Gosh, and like, uh, I I love. Um, I I get a kick out of it, like, because I I in my brain say it's intentional, but like, I get a kick out of the early two thousands tropes of. Uh, very adult looking teenagers because um, in my mind I'm like they're you're doing it on purpose like Taylor Kitsch's abs are so sharp 
like I'm just like the, no high schooler, no 17 year old looks like that. None. Yeah. No. You know, I now that I'm thinking it, maybe it is it is hot on my mind just because of the you know another program that is happening right now. I'm recasting Stephen Strait. Put in Hayden Christensen in there. I want to see that. Like that's the the that's the version of this movie that I want to see. If you want to get that cult following in there, put Anakin Skywalker himself in this movie. (laughs) Hey, he it would have fit at the time. Another trash movie I'm a defender of is Jumper. Uh, Absolutely, kind of fits in this category. But uh, let's see what other movies uh, we're thinking about. So here on the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club, we like to do a little game called Movie Math. Uh, the rules are pretty simple. Uh, you're going to take this movie that we talked about today and add, subtract, divide, multiply, whatever you want to do, a couple of movies together, all of which just have to equal the movie that we're talking about today. Uh, Devon, I've looked at your little equation here. It seems like you and I went on a similar yet different uh, kind of uh, <laughs> thought process here. I will admit I broke the rules a little bit. <laughs> but what are the what are the movies that you are uh, having in your equation today? Yeah, I kept it simple. Uh, I've noted like I've I've loved how in the past few episodes, like we've been like now that we kind of have an understanding of how the mechanics for this work on how to use uh, each, you know, uh, mathematic thing. Um, yeah. I, we've been coming up with, you know, more fun equations, but I went, yeah. I went simple on this one, you know, just two movies, um, you know, that, so I have Chronicle divided by the craft um, mm. because, you know, again, like this movie would be, if you just literally smush those two together, in theory, this movie has the potential to be that if you would smush all yeah. the great things about them, but that doesn't happen. Um, you know, we have, uh, the, the simple premise of these ambiguous powers that you get in Chronicle and the, the dude, um, you know, angle of it all, um, from Chronicle, but without the genuine, camaraderie and character development that happens in Chronicle and then you have that divided by the craft because obviously all the aesthetic choices of um you know the early 2000s the craft was late 90s but early 2000s aesthetic pretty similar a lot of things and again just like literally the blatant pitch of this movie being you know this is the craft but with hot dudes um but you know also still removing the you know sisterhood angle of it and um, the, you know, more positive, uh, you know, queer readings that you can find yeah. within the craft. So, yeah, so so it's the Chronicle divided by the craft. Yeah, it's funny in hearing you describe your equation. It's essentially like you take these two movies and you take out all the good stuff. <laughs> and that's that's this movie. You, you take out all the stuff that you like about those two, you know, the characters, <laughs> the camaraderie, and that's what you can't Themes, you, get the you know. Themes, you know, deeper ideas, all that kind of stuff, all that nonsense, and you get the covenant. So yeah. um, I kind of went, uh, I, I broke the rules a little oh, bit. This yeah. isn't necessarily movie movie math i just added a few things and i took this about as seriously as this movie takes itself um but uh the craft is an obvious pick uh for this one and it seems like screen gems who is is responsible for this movie um really probably <laughs> kind of did the same thing as they're like we do this but 
you're going to add axe body spray because this is like you know have you ever looked at like the back of an axe like pomade can and there's just a guy with the douchiest hair that you've ever seen that's if this movie like had teeth and eyeballs and was like a little anthropomorphized <laughs> character that's this movie and then you're going to multiply that by literally any breaking benjamin album song whatever you want this just has like even music video i'll throw that in there <laughs> this just looks like a breaking benjamin or any other 2000s like new metal seether or chevelle or anything like one of those chevelle. kind of yeah, this you know is, what I'm talking about. Oh, Any of yeah. those kind of bands, this this movie will fit right in. <laughs> yeah, um, whenever I saw your equation as I was putting it in before the show, I was like, that gave me a good uh, litmus of uh, how you felt about the movie, which got me excited. I go, okay, got he got it. Uh, whenever I saw this <laughs> equation, I definitely said, I was like, Garrett got it. This is going to be a fun episode, I can tell. Um, yeah, I'm, you, I'm not sure what I got, but I got <laughs> it. That's for, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, do, do you remember the the uh, commercials for Axe Body Spray? The ones oh, where yeah, it, the, where they'd be in like a public situation and he'd like spray just like a little spritz of it on and then like girls would like flock like animalistically onto somebody and like tear oh, their yeah. clothes off or like accost them in public and stuff. And it was like, yeah, see, this is what happens when you use axe. And like it had like, oh man, I can't remember what the catchphrase was, but you know, um, uh, I, I, I was definitely guilty of axe, uh, body spray and fit bod back in back in those days dude i did axe body spray except for some reason like my go-to scent and i am not proud of this and thankfully that was a long time ago there was a chocolate axe body spray and i was like oh yeah that's my stuff right there <laughs> it so, is one like, of the best i I, did, I used the axe deodorant that was chocolate uh, okay because yeah. like garrett 2005 or six smelled like the worst piece of candy that you could ever imagine apparently uh and i'm, I'm so glad that i have uh I, yeah I, I don't wear cologne a, a whole hell of a lot but when i do i'm glad i don't just smell like the douchiest willy wonka that you've ever met you know that's just what timothy chalamet's willy wonka is gonna yeah, smell oh my like God. The chocolate axe body spray i mean i know they're gonna try and go artsy with that but if they would have if that was the if they were if if they if Timothy Chalamet's Willy Wonka movie was The Covenant, but now I would I'd be one hundred percent sold on that movie. Well that's kinda <laughs> that's kind of the thing is like I could see how somebody could be like oh we should remake this movie but you know with more of a, a queer sensibilities to it and and you know uh, implement kind of the 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 benefit of foresight when you're watching or you know in uh, hindsight excuse me and, and and you know watching this movie but i'm also just kind of like no just leave it it's garbage it's trashy it it, it doesn't know what it is which almost makes it kind of funnier uh so yeah i don't know do you would you want to see like kind of a, another stab at this or do you kind of i like kind of the time capsule element of no. it all I, I love the time capsule element of it all. Like I said, if I if I wanted to see more of this, it would have to be it would be like taking the premise and the name, but like completely switching it up, like completely yeah. switching the tone. Like I said, like make it I, I think the teenage years would be a, a lot more interesting uh, yeah. than on the cusp of ascending. Or it's like obviously yeah. you can follow that through five seasons. Boom. That's a yeah. crisp five season run right there. Oh, yeah. Uh, from yeah. 13 to 18 year olds. Boom. Yeah. Um, well, that, so I, I would take that. But this is such a perfect time capsule. 
Yeah, well, speaking of which, Devon, uh, our next episode, as we alluded to earlier, definitely, uh, apparently, because I hadn't seen it at the time, took some inspirations for this movie. So what have we got next week? Well, I think I've done a, a poor uh, job of letting you in on the programming, because uh, uh, at the time of recording, this pitch episode's out already. Um, oh. But uh, next week um, we are gonna we're gonna be keeping it light uh, still, and uh, we're gonna be uh, checking out Paranorman um, oh, and fun. seeing um, um, uh, some of the there's there's implied queer readings, and then there is like an actual out queer character. But the way that they use the two characters is interesting. So it'll be a, a fun dive, and we don't really uh, do too many uh, children's films here. I am here for it. Uh, I love uh, stop motion as well. Stop motion animation and, and Paranorman is a lot of fun. So I'm very excited to be revisiting that one. It's been quite a long time since I've seen that film. Yeah, um, I'm very excited. A, a Leica appearance. Um, haven't, yeah. done, haven't done Coraline yet. And that's going to be a very special episode when we do. Ooh. Love that one. Um, but excited also to- love Coraline. Yeah, well, all-time favorite. So, um, but yeah, so excited to get into that one, uh, Garrett. What are you working on right now? Um, if you guys have taken a peek at my Twitter page, it has been all Star Wars all the time. Just got back from Star Wars Celebration, so if you're into that kind of stuff, we've got multiple episodes of my other podcast, Scum and Villainy Pod, where we not only talk about the news from uh, last weekend, but also the three now uh, chapters of Obi Wan Kenobi. So if you're into that kind of stuff, we would love to have you. It's just at Scum Villain Pod on Twitter. Uh, but if you're not, no worries. You guys can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, as well as TikTok at Garrett McDowell. Uh, just published another TikTok of uh, some recommendations, some horror movie recommendations that are uh, now hit streaming as the start of this month. Uh, so, yeah, working on stuff, keeping busy. But uh, what about you? Yes. Um, so this is Pride Month. So there's a lot of um, very uh, fun stuff going on right now. And um Coming up in a couple of weeks, I will be taking part in a fundraiser um, with uh, Spread the Beauty and Gaily Dreadful. They are teaming up to do a thing called Beautifully Dreadful, um, where they will be uh, doing uh, some fundraising events, and I will be joining on for that. Um, we will be doing a, I'll be a part, it's an all-day event live stream, and there'll be two watch-alongs and then a panel discussion at the end, and I Fine. will be a part of the Malignant watch-along. Um, time to cut out the cancer, guys. It's gonna be a That's right, good time. I'll get to spew my uh, my um, Gabriel's a drag queen theory um, as we watch <laughs> that film. So um, get excited for that. And then I will also be joining the panel discussion as well. Um, there'll be a lot of other queer creators joining in. Um, some of which have already been on the show. Some of them are future guests that will be on the show. So that will be a, a very excited. Um, uh, so that will be a very exciting day. Uh, that is going down Sunday, June 12th. So mark your calendars for that and make sure you are following on social media uh, at underscore daddy disco. And I will keep you guys updated on that. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. Even though I will not be there for the malignant um, uh, discussion there in spirit, I will be there and just promise me. When Gabriel hucks that chair across the room, you will stand up and cheer on my behalf because that is one of the, my favorite movie moments of the past couple of years. Oh, I'm going to have us chanting like a sporting event for, <laughs> for this film. I, I'm so damn excited for it. 
But guys, that will go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday, so make sure you're subscribed so you do not miss an episode. You can follow us on social media at Bloody Blunt's Pod. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating and a review. Would be real nice. But until next time, guys, stay lifted. Fucking attack.